This is Liam Hendricks, and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello, and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am super stoked to be here with you today. You might notice for the second straight show here on the Barroom Network, I am standing up. I started bar down standing up yesterday. I probably stood up for maybe like the first 50 minutes of the show. Neck started to hurt. I sat down. I don't know what's going to happen today. Okay. The status of my standing and sitting remains to be seen. Uh, Joe says, hey to Aldo. Hello to Joe. I'm not Aldo, but Aldo, breaking news, will be here today on this show. But first, before we get to Aldo and the Chicago Bears, I'm going to be talking some football until Aldo gets here with one of my very best friends in the world, Joe Mandel. Joseph, how are we doing? What's up, Vin? Long time no see, a whole week. I know, it's been a whole week, a whole week, with lots of texting in between, of course. Of course. Joe, we normally talk baseball and Crosstown Crosstalk, but, you know, Crosstown Crosstalk has slowly become just an all-Chicago sports show. Yeah. um, Which is totally cool with me. In the summer, it's going to lean baseball, of course, with that being, like, the main attraction in Chicago. You got the Cubs and the White Sox. But in the winter, when the Cubs and the White Sox are both a bunch of cheap frauds, especially the White Sox, um, you know, it's sometimes it's more fun to talk about the Bears and what's going on in the NFL. Now, the Bears suck too, and they're a dumb organization. But at, <laughs> at least, at least we know that they have a chance based on the rules in the NFL. The White Sox yeah. have no, the Bears have a bad owner, but they still have a chance if their GM or coach are ever smart. The White Sox have the greatest coach, the greatest GM in the world. They're still handcuffed. They still have no shot. Um, it's basically <laughs> point, it's basically pointless to be a fan, but we do anyway because we're dumb. Um, and we're, we have we're our, real suckers. We really are real suckers. I mean, the only thing the White Sox have going for them, they look nice. I think yeah, they're one of the most well. They're one of the most well dressed teams in Major League Baseball. I mean, the Rays. When they're not wearing their Devil Ray stuff, I literally think the like their logo, their color, it's like puke. Like I, like I mm-hmm. literally think it's so ugly. And I'm not poo pooing the Raves. I, I wish they would go back to their old school um, way of. They don't even have to be the Devil Rays. They could just have the Devil Ray colors if they really don't want to be. the I Devil do Rays. like the Devil Ray jerseys though. They're Me sick. too. They're so yeah. sick. They're so sick. But you know what? I'd rather my team play well than look good. Personally, that's just my personal preference. But like, for the, sure, the Bears—they have one of the coolest uh, jerseys in the league. But you know, we'll get to the Bears in a minute. I want to start with the breaking news that happened today in the NFL, which kind of preceded some interesting breaking news yesterday. Uh, these guys have kind of been linked for a long time because they were 
uh, head coach and offensive coordinator. It was offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns way yeah. back in the day. Um, of course, yeah, it was their defensive coordinator, Nick Saban. He retired from Alabama yesterday. And but today we found out that the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick are parting ways. What is your reaction to those two things? Uh, first off, the Belichick thing, it's been reported for a while, right? It's been one of those things that's been floating around, and we all kind of saw it coming. I, th- I think the main question for me now is, is Bill done coaching or is he going to go somewhere else? I-, I can't see this guy being done with football. So I see him landing with a team with a powerhouse quarterback, whoever that is, whether it's the Chargers, whether it's – I don't think they'll make a change in Miami, but he would kind of certainly be a fit there. Uh, they, will, they won't. Uh, the Eagles would be a – I think that's my dark horse here is if the Eagles fire Sirianni, bring in Bill Belichick and look at that empire. That'd um, be sick. That's what I'm thinking. That's my my brain is going in that way, Vin. I can't – do you think this guy's done with football? Because I certainly don't. I absolutely do not think he's done with football. I think there's a difference between Saban saying he's retired and Bill saying they've mutually parted ways. Um, Bill is also – so Saban's done everything he can as a college football head coach, right? Nobody argues he is the – in my opinion, he is the undisputed goat of the national – of the NCAA football. Now, I think that same could be said for Bill. But there is one shadow that – there's two shadows clouding Bill right now. Um, that I think he would like to, before it's over, kind of cast himself away from. I don't know if it's possible. I know one of them is. One of them is the fact that he has never, ever, ever had long-term success without Tom Brady. Yeah. He, when he was with the uh, Cleveland Browns, they stunk. He was a fired head coach. They got rid of his ass just like the way the Browns get rid of every other coach that they have until basically the last handful of years when they became good. Um. And, you know, there was the one year with Matt Castle, but Matt Castle replaced injured Tom Brady, and they had everything. They had everything. I could have played quarterback for the New England Patriots in 2009 or 2008, whatever year it was that Tom got hurt. Because it was 07 that they almost had the perfect year, and then Tom Brady got hurt in the first game of the following year. And all you had to do was not suck on that team. You had Randy Moss, and you had the defense with all those guys still. Um but outside of that one year, Mac Jones, I think, got them to the playoffs one time and then Buffalo dismantled them in the postseason. Um, you know, beyond that, it's really kind of been a dumpster fire without Tom. I think Bill would like – and sure. I don't think all Bill's fault. I think a lot of Tom's success is due to Bill. It, it is a handshake agreement. But Tom did go to Tampa Bay and win without Bill. And year one, Tampa Bay magically went from a shit organization to a Super Bowl championship, like voodoo wizardry and bullshit magic. To be fair, they weren't they weren't a shit organization, Vin. They they just had Jameis Winston at quarterback, and then they had all the pieces, and then you plug in Tom with a really good team, and look what happened. That is true. I, I'm not I'm not denying that at all, Tampa. But Tampa Bay, uh, leading up to that last year with Jameis. They weren't like a perennial playoff team and stuff. So, you know, I, and then he's chasing the wins record. He's, I think, 15 wins away from being the all-time winningest coach in the NFL. Yep. I don't know where he'd have to go to attain that quickly, but I do think there's a chance that he goes and he searches for this uh, thing. You didn't bring up my favorite team for Bill Belichick. I, I could see it a world where he ends up with the Washington Commanders. 
They have the number okay. three pick or number two pick. Uh, it's either three or two. They have a pick where they can draft a quarterback mm-hmm. and try to st- – and they were okay. You know, I came into this year thinking the commanders would be like an okay team, and they far fell far below my expectations, did the commanders. And all of a sudden, they have this really high pick. They could draft one of the quarterbacks and see if Bill Belichick can kind of turn their franchise around. Um I'm excited to see where he lands. Saban's done, though. It, it was a fun ride having one of them in college and one of them in the NFL, but I don't know. It, it's very interesting times with both of them out of football as of right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait to see what happens uh, with Bill because I, I, I'm, I'm certainly tired of seeing him on the New England sidelines. Well, you know, sure who's gonna, you know who's going to replace him, right? It's going to be Vrabel, right? Yeah, Gotta I think be. so. I think so, especially now. Now that the Charger, or was it the Texans owner that came out and like one of the reasons that he was annoyed with Vrabel and that led to his dismissal is the way he acted at his, at, I forget what event it was. He was being honored at Gillette Stadium with the Patriots and he was like, you know, pumping up the Patriots and stuff. I, I've, I've heard that didn't sit well with Tennessee's owner. I don't know how true that is. That could be just some moron making stuff up online and Vinny falling for it, but I, I think there probably is some truth to him always did, wanting to get back did to Did you England. see the social media team's post about when they fired Vrabel? For, um, for yeah, yeah, yeah. It just simply said the Titans have parted ways with coach Mike Vrabel. Like he was the coach for six years. And he's probably, can you say he's the best coach in Titans history? Back-to-back uh, number one seeds in the AFC? It's it's certainly a conversation. Yeah, and so now I think if he goes to New England, where he'll have tons of resources and uh, you know moderately recent success to kind of like build on. You know, I I know they were a crap team this year, but I do think they they really had a hard time scoring. I think their defense played well at time. Um, but you know, I, I think that's a good situation for Vrabel specifically to be walking into. Um, and you know, that just shows how the new England Patriots are committed to winning the fact that they probably will land a guy like that. And the bears mm-hmm. are sticking with a loser like Matt Eberflus. And when we discuss the bears staying with losers like Matt Eberflus, Joe, who in the world is there better to talk to than the president, the creator the the matriarch is matriarch a word you use for a male though the whatever it is you can say to describe leader of the barroom network i'm talking about the great the wonderful is, is he a doctor i wouldn't shock me if he's dr gandhi he's sexy sexy as hell oh my yeah. god yeah I get a little hot thinking of him i'm talking about aldo gandia aldo <laughs> welcome What's to up, the show aldo? Guys, what an introduction. I have never been introduced that way. Not in any of my three marriages. <laughs> you have it. And by the way, it's patriarch, but matriarch, you know, a lot of people have called me a mother effer. So, <laughs> so the, the mother, the mother, Vin. the mother effer of the bar room network. There you That's go. awesome. The patriarch. I, I knew, I knew, I knew there was a word that was the synonym for 
matriarch, but for a male. But, you know, again, Aldo, we've discussed it many times. Your dumbest employee right here. <laughs> no, no, that's not the way you know your sports. Absolutely not. He's like, not true. That's that's Mike North. <laughs> <laughs> if you heard his show and some of his takes today, you might say that. Well, Trubisky's going to lead the Steelers to the Super Bowl. I'm excited. I, I love Mike. Yeah, the, out, uh, the outspoken opinions that Mike North has, whether you agree with him or not, yeah, he presents them in such an entertaining fashion that you just uh, can't uh, say no to him. I agree. I think there's a genius thing about you. If you can give an opinion that people agree with or disagree with and you get a reaction one way or another, that is true talent. Um, Aldo, you know what made me want to ask you to come on the show today with Joe and I? And, and we always want you. Please, no, we always want you. Thank you. But you put a video <laughs> on Twitter.com formerly known as twitter.com we call it the x now it's the x now um when justin fields took a hit late in the game against the green bay packers and you put the funniest video screaming at your tv i'm sitting there i'm like listen i'm mad too i'm real mad but Aldo's like mad, mad. Like whoever was in your house with you, I don't know if your wife was home or if you had any of your children over. They're they all had, out of the house. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. That was so funny. It seems like you're laughing about it now, but Aldo, what a disgrace of a football game that was. Yeah, you know, it's a disgrace, but the, the thing that bothers me most, well, maybe not most, but one of the things that's bothered me for years is the NFL officiating. And people say full-time refs isn't going to make it any better. Oh, what are you kidding me? These guys, if they're working at, at these other jobs, whether it's the CEO of a bank or a pharmacist or whatever, because you've got people from all walks of life being officials for the National Football League, they got to be working 30, 40 hours a week at those other jobs. That could be time spent studying tape, having conversations with the crew, with other crews, talking about penalties that were missed, tendencies by teams, uh, getting dictums from the NFL saying, watch out for this because, you know, we got a letter from the Chicago Bears saying that they, and this tape showing all these hits to the head, we got to protect quarterbacks. They, they could be spending time honing their craft instead they get their assignments, and then they don't think about it for a few days, and then they have a meeting on Friday, and then they talk about some of this stuff. I think that there is training is a huge, huge part of being uh, successful at whatever you do. You've got to rehearse. you got to practice. you got to study. you got to do all this stuff. And NFL officials are not doing that. It's, it's clear. You know, and the rule book is gets more and more complicated every year. I remember there being a, an NFL official after he left the business saying that there were still parts of the NFL rule book he did not know. So what's going on here? This is a multi-billion dollar industry. And when you're also officiating a violent sport like football, you have to really be super careful that you're doing the right thing to help prevent further hits to the head. And if you're going to allow these guys to get away with it, they're going to keep doing it. It just makes me wonder, like they definitely pay people on a full-time basis to do way stupider stuff. Mm -hmm. That is far less needed than officiating. Absolutely. Joe, do you have anything for Aldo? I'm, I'm kind of at a loss by 
the Bears' decision to keep Eberflus around. I, I guess I kind of understand it. We we don't fully know the details behind his contract or whatever's going on behind the scenes, but we we all got the guy we wanted gone in Getze. Who I, there's a lot of names that are starting to emerge for offensive coordinator, and I guess I'm just I don't have one that like makes my makes me tingle downstairs at all. There's not a name there, you know, that gets me right. excited. Is right. there is there a name for you, although that that you are slightly excited about in when it comes to offensive coordinator? Not a single one. Yeah. Uh what excites <laughs> me is the pedigree, you know, the resume, you know, some of these guys like the offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. I love the way they run that offense. And so but I don't know anything about that guy. I don't know, you know, his history and so forth. I, t- I talked about this a, a, a little on Tuesday night show is the key here is finding the right guy for the right players. So the Bears have to have an idea of what they're going to do at the quarterback position. Are they going to draft a pocket passer like a Drake May, or are they going to stay with an athletic quarterback, whether it's Justin Fields or Caleb Williams, and then tailor their the interviewing process to that so that they can talk about how would you run Justin on this third and six? Give us some options about how to attack this Packers defense. What would you do? And we were faced with a, with a situation against the Denver Broncos. Let me show you the tape. What would you have done in this situation? All of these questions are vital to le- to learning, you know, to getting the best information you can on how to treat this this team. And so it's the 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 process that that intrigues me most. Unfortunately, they're not going to reveal much about the process, but no. but it's important that they do a hell of a job. And if I can continue here on sort of a, a tangent here, Please. one of the things that worried me is that Kevin Warren comes from this corporate background. He's been in the NFL for many years, but he's also been a, a lawyer. He's a commissioner of Big Ten, an agent, and so forth. So he he clearly is the face of the Chicago Bears incorporated and he came in there yesterday and he sounded like a corporate guy it was sickening to hear in my opinion yes he was he was he he said some things that were encouraging but i've heard all this corporate speak you know for so many years working in corporations and having clients who spoke the same way you know the ceo of mcdonald's the senior vice president over at uh, simeon electronics the blah 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 all these people all sounded like kevin warren so that worried me a little bit because it's always about the bottom line with these guys it's always about profit over people and stuff but he did say some things that were encouraging. But the one thing that he did that is discouraging is that every leader who comes into a new organization, they spend the first year looking at everything in the organization, and all he wants changed is the offensive coordinator, the play caller. He should have fired everyone in that coaching staff and said, we're going to start this whole thing over. I know, Ryan, you started it over a year ago, but now we're you and I are working together, Ryan Poles, and we're going to start it over. Oh, well, I don't know. We need to do that. Then you're fired too. That's what he should have said. Because yeah. that's the way leaders are. You have to take control of the organization, spend some time 
investigating, getting answers, finding out from he, he said he talked to like 2,100 uh, employees of the Bears over the last year. Well, he should know that things are hunky-dory. He should know that the media team does a terrible job compared to other NFL teams with their technical stuff. He should know so many other things. And, and it just seems like after uh, 11 months on the job, this is what you're giving us. Fire, firing the offensive coordinator, that was a given. That should have happened in season. We should have had mm -hmm. another uh, play caller come in and give Justin the, the opportunity to work with a different play caller, same system, so you didn't have, have to uh, you know give Janoko or somebody a chance because it was clear from very early on that Luke Getze was not a good match for Justin Fields, an athletic, mobile quarterback versus a – offensive coordinator who had never called plays and was the quarterback coach for Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers and Justin Fields are polar opposites of one yeah. another. And and you you don't often see an offensive coordinator throwing his quarterback under the bus like Getzey did over the course of the season too. Mm -hmm. That just put a bad taste in my mouth halfway through the year. Yeah, indeed. And I, uh, I was at the Senior Bowl last year when uh, – Getsy uh, was the coach for one of the two teams. I forgot it was North or South or whatever. But in any case, um, the practices that he ran were so lackluster as compared to the other team. The team that he coached got blasted in that senior bowl game. And I remember saying, this has been a really bad year. Uh, I put it up on X. Uh, this has been a really bad year for Luke Getze. I mean, just three wins as the offensive coordinator for Chicago Bears and uh, loses a, a, an all-star game after a week of you know being criticized for the lackluster practices and stuff. It, 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 it was just a trend, you know, as, as Kevin Warren should have been noting these things. Yeah. And if Poles and Eberflus were uh, adamant that, you know, we need him, we, we need to have him for the 2023 season, there came a time where it was pretty obvious when your quarterback says, I'm being too robotic, it could be the coaching and so forth. And, you know, this, this is not a good marriage. It certainly wasn't. I think we're all happy that, that Getsy's gone. At least part of the equation is solved. Exactly. Well, what about the fact, though, that multiple coaches on the Bears coaching staff have been fired in season for non-football-related things? Why has that not come into play with the decision of Matt Eberflus and some Got of the stuff going on? Up under the rug. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, the the, the height of uh, hypocrisy, for lack of a better word, when Ryan Poe said how much he valued how Eberflus handled the adversity thrown at him in 2023 that was the adversity he created because he hired those coaches he came in you know first of all the whole idea of hiring a rookie head coach a rookie offensive coordinator and a rookie defensive coordinator although i think alan williams may have had some coordinator experience in college or something like that but nonetheless these were three guys who were new at the job and you really needed out of those three that uh, pyramid that trio of coaches coordinators two coordinators or three coordinators with the special teams coach and, and the head coach you need somebody there who has some wisdom in the nfl you know and notice how phil snow comes in and is hired as a, a, a senior defensive analyst and so he was scouting games two games ahead and soon thereafter of course the the, the acquisition of montez sweat had a lot to do with it too but soon thereafter that defense improved dramatically and it's because you had somebody wise 
telling, you know, a guy who has actually been on the sidelines calling plays, working with Eberflus. And so the whole idea that Eberflus is going to call plays again next year, I'm not crazy about that. I really am not because in this in this day and age, and I know that some head coaches do it and do it well, but in this day and age, I don't want my head coach head buried in that uh, Denny's menu determining what play to call two downs from now or whatever. I want him overseeing the entire operation. I think Iberflus came in with the right idea, but what he did is he hired the wrong coordinators to, to do that. And they got marketably better as the season went along. I do think that's fair to say. There were times where Justin looked good. I still I'm wishy-washy. I'm not going to ask you, hey, Aldo, what would you do with the note? We have three months to have that conversation. We'll mm-hmm. have you back on probably four times before the draft. <laughs> We'd love to. And it, it's just one of those things you don't need to answer today. But he, they did, as a team, get marketedly better over the course of the year. I mean, what they start? Mm-hmm. Oh, they started 0-4, and that extended the losing streak to like 14 games. It was like a franchise record. I think it got close to being an NFL record. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they finally won a game, and they did start picking it up a little bit. But the end of the season, the way it ended against the Green Bay Packers, your arch rival for 100 years to go out there and not score a single touchdown – I'm not going to ask you your definitive opinion on whether or not they should draft Caleb Williams or Drake May or trade down and end up with Penix Jr. or keep ju- – but, like, you got to at least be thinking about the opportunity here that you have with this quarterback class. And, Aldo, our first ever live show on any of shows on the network was me coming on Dan and Aldo discussing – Mac Jones versus Justin Fields versus Trey Lance versus Trevor Lawrence. They all ended up sucking, but for the most part, they did. Uh, you know, Lawrence is okay. He had, was injured, but for the most part, they all suck. Um, are we are we doing that again? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I do know for an absolute fact that the Chicago Bears are currently doing due diligence on all of these quarterbacks who are first round targets. So, you know, they're doing background checks on Caleb Williams and Jaden Daniels and Drake May and whoever else that they like based on their tape. So they're going to find out all the character flaws, all the positives and so forth. And then they're going to sit down and evaluate that versus Justin Fields. Okay, well, this is what this guy can do. This is what that guy can't do. This is what Justin can do. This is what that guy can't do. What happens? And going through all the scenarios, I personally would love to give Justin one more year and surround him with weapons because now you have an opportunity to draft one of the best wide receivers coming out of college football in a long time in Marvin Harrison Jr. And there are some people who say that Malik Neighbors and Rome Adunze, the other uh, two of the top three receivers, could be as good or better than Harrison. So you've got an opportunity to give Justin a playmaker. Um, The reason I like Harrison and Odunze more than Neighbors, although Neighbors could be the best of the three, uh, you're giving Justin Fields a huge target, a 6'2", 6'3", guy who runs a 4'4". You team him up with DJ Moore. Now you've got some weapons along with Cole Komet, and hopefully we get a a speedy running back, a scat back to complement the other running backs on the team. Now uh, now you're you're cooking with some, some 
uh, oil there that uh, brings out the flavor in the offense. That's right. And th you have to then make some improvements. You need a veteran center to come in to work with the young guys on the offensive line. You, We clearly need depth at the guard position uh, because of the Tevin Jenkins injury situation. And we've got to question a little bit uh, the right guard that was signed via free agency is is he durable he missed a lot of time yeah he had some personal issues and, and you, you you can't blame him for that but you know the, I, I can't say we're absolutely you know ready to go in 2024 with those two guards and then you got the two outside tackles I know they love Braxton Jones but there's some really outstanding left tackles coming out in this draft so if you have three first round draft picks you could address left tackle and wide receiver and then get a pass rusher too because i keep saying uh, a quarterback's favorite friend is a great great receivers right but the second favorite friend is a great defense that's going to give him the ball at the 40 yard line at the 50 yard line half fields and so forth so uh, the bears have a great opportunity to really help justin fields take that next step and to be a really good quarterback in this league I, is he is he ever going to put up you know the great numbers of great quarterbacks? I doubt it. You'd have to account for his rushing yards as well. So if he throws for two hundred yards and he rushes for a hundred, that's a three hundred yard day. And in today's NFL, that's good enough. The key thing is give him some weapons that he feels comfortable. One of the out of all, you know, I've heard all the press conferences this year. The one thing that stuck out most in my mind is he said, "When I see DJ Moore one on one." I'll throw it up to him every single time because I know he's going to make a play on that ball. He is probably going to come down for it. Well, how about if he had two of those? And then you add Cole Komet, the growing confidence he's shown with him. I think this Bears offense can can take off. Now, if they decide to go in a separate route, I'll be interested to see, you know, the, the rationale for that. Um, I'm a little worried about, you know, starting over with, with a rookie quarterback, but uh, we'll see. We'll deal with that later. Joe? Yeah, there's so much value in that first pick this year. A lot of people want that generational quarterback. There's been that discussion about Caleb Williams. Oh, he's a once-in-a-generation quarterback. Whether or not you believe it, the conversation's there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just find it hard to believe that the Bears could hold on to that pick when there's so many teams that want it. Um, my question for you all, though, and, and I've wrapped my head around this a bunch and I still don't know the answer is what the heck can the Bears get back? I know Greg Gabriel's loosely talked about it, but what what compensation could we expect for giving up number one? Yeah. Well and before I'll answer that, I want to address Barrett Mysterio's questions. How many more years do we wait on Justin Fields? All I'm asking for is just one more year. One more year. You got to make a decision on his fifth year option right after the draft, I would say, no, I'm not going to offer you the fifth-year option because you you can then still maintain him. If he takes off in 2024, you could place the franchise tag on him until you, sure. you work out a contract or, you know, you, you don't work out a contract and then you get – but I would give him one year because, to me, that's part of the three-year rebuild is that quarterback going from A to B to C and C hopefully being championship uh, titles in, in the division at least. Yeah. But – to answer your question, I think it is reasonable to say that you can get the max in terms of first-round picks, and that's three. Uh, the league will not allow any team to trade more than three first-round picks in any one particular deal. 
So it is it is reasonable to expect that. Of course, it depends on who you're trading with. So if you're trading with the New England Patriots, they're not going to trade you the number two overall pick in this draft. I think they have the number two overall pick. And then give you two more additional first-round picks. So that would be a little lower. lower. But if you're dealing with a, a team like, uh, for instance, the Cincinnati Bengals, they would gladly, not that they need a quarterback, but if they wanted Marvin Harrison badly, enough because they thought think you know that would be the perfect compliment for Jamar Chase and they had no plans to re-sign Jamar Chase. I don't know. I'm just off the top of my head. Sure. But there there are other teams that will offer you a little less, but still the, the return on that pick, you're absolutely right, Joe. This is a, a a pick because you're talking about two quarterbacks, Drake May and Caleb Williams, who are being looked at as can't miss type uh projects. Trevor Lawrence at uh, at the bottom level and maybe, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes. A lot of people have compared Caleb Williams with Patrick Mahomes. I personally don't see it, but, uh, you know, I, I imagine what you would get if, if what the Chiefs would get if they traded Patrick Holmes right now. So it, it's basically similar to that. Very interesting. Uh, you know, I do. I do think you can evaluate it. I, I've always been, although we've talked about this, I want to marry a quarterback and a coach in the same year. If they're not getting rid of Eberflus, then I think drafting a new quarterback would just be so dumb because yeah. they – and this is not me praising Justin. Justin, you talk about his fourth-year, fifth-year option. Uh, you know, Bear Maestro says something about, like, being patient. You have, first of all, you have no reason to be anything other than impatient. They've been a trash bag for the last 50 years. You, you've been patient enough, Mr. Mm -hmm. Bear Mysterio. Um, but when it comes to drafting a quarterback, you're going to do the same thing for the third time in a row, basically every quarterback since Jay. You, you married Mitch with John Fox, Ugh. and then you fired him after one year with him, and then you bring in Matt Nagy. Okay, you keep Matt Nagy Brutal. throughout Mitch. You bring in Justin for, you guessed it, one year of Matt Nagy, then you can his ass and you bring in Matt Eberflus. You would be doing the same thing. You, you know, if you bang your head into the wall 150 times in a row and your head starts to hurt, you should stop banging your head into the wall. It's dangerous. It's the mm -hmm. same thing with the Bears. They keep banging their head into the wall over and over and over again. That they do. And if they don't get rid of Eberflus, they should keep Justin for this year. I, I'm with you, Aldo. I don't think. I, I love college football. I try to watch it as frequently as I can. I don't just don't see in Caleb Williams, even what I saw in Lawrence. And Lawrence was great last year. He was good up until his injury this year. People are gonna poo him, poo on him all offseason. He was seven and three before his injury, and then things just weren't the same, you know, before that. He, you know, he got messed up, man. He I, got shocked they played on that. Me too. They that was just a dumb mistake by the Jaguars, in my opinion. But you know, you Reap the benefits of whatever. I don't know the saying. I'm dumb. But you reap what you sow. Reap what you sow. <laughs> but <you> they <laughs> they got them themselves. But like I don't I don't even see in Williams what I saw in Lawrence and people. Andrew Luck. Are you Andrew Luck? Get out of here with that. Andrew Luck. He could go to the Hall of Fame based on his short career. You can argue. Don't give me Andrew Luck when talking about Caleb Williams next year. 
we found out that Quinn, during this show, breaking news, Quinn Ewers is returning to Texas. He announced on his Instagram. That could force Arch Manning to use the transfer portal to his advantage. There are going to be some quarterbacks coming out next year that people might be thinking very highly of. Imagine if Arch Manning goes to Ohio State, gets himself in the Heisman conversation, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden Ohio State is where Michigan was this year. And Bears fans are going to be like, well, Justin Fields isn't working out. The, you know, he we gave him that last chance with Ibrahus. You fire Ibrahus and you bring in a new quarterback in the same year. If it doesn't work out next year, I'm a negative Nancy when it comes to the Bears. I I, I can't help it only because every single time I turn in the other direction, they like shove it up my hoop. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just sad. So I I don't know where everybody else stands on this, but I I do think with the uh, report from I think it was Schefter and uh, Rappaport put it out there that they are keeping Matt Eberflus. If you're waiting for Matt Eberflus to be fired, you're going to be waiting a long time. It's not happening. You know, see you next year, Matt. What would have happened by now? I, I think so too. I mean, I, I literally pulled up while Aldo was talking the head coaches that were already fi- uh, let go or fired. Uh, Pete Carroll gone, legend going to the Hall of Fame. Bill Belichick legend going to the Hall of Fame. Ron Rivera. Interesting name, former ties to the Bears, of course. Um, Art, um, Art, what's his last name? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Falcons Smith? coach, yeah, Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith. Um, obviously, Vrabel. Then you got, uh, we don't want Josh McDaniels. Um, nobody does, yeah. Um, yeah, no, and then you got he'll the, be, he'll be the OC Pan- in New England, wow. exactly. Probably, well. If they kept Bel, he might go with to the Washington team. If Belichick, well, that would not shock me one bit. But yeah. you know, then they got rid of uh, the guy in San Diego, or San Diego, Los Angeles, and then Carolina. There's all sorts of these teams acting serious, and the Bears are just not one of them. And that's just mm-hmm. kind of the way it seems right now. Now, Aldo, I know you love polls, and this is my question for you. This is his first decision that's been made that I don't think is necessarily all him, but it's the first time where I'm like, Pulse, what are you doing, dude? You, you, you've mostly, you didn't draft Justin. Nobody blamed you for Justin not living up to his hype and potential up to this point. You got DJ Moore. The trade for the number one pick, in my opinion, was outstanding. You have the nut. You made a pit trade with a team that ended up being the worst team in the league. That was just such good vision by Ryan Poles. And I like what they've done with the roster. Like I said, they got markedly better. But then you're keeping Eberflus. I'm like, that's a major demeric on your, you know, on your report card there, Mr. Poles. I, I don't know. What's your take on it? Yeah, I don't like the idea at all that uh, Matt Eberflus is, is returning. I do, uh, like Joe said at the top of the show, I do understand the thinking behind it. You know, you want some continuity. You want to give the rebuild plan uh, a chance. You want to, you know, one of the things when I worked uh, at a corporation, one of the things that I learned is that if you have an employee who's not performing well, you don't immediately fire them. I mean, that for, for me, that was always my first inclination. Get rid of them. Get rid of that employee who's responsible for the video editing or that employee. You train them. You put them on a performance improvement plan. And so I think that's what Pose is doing with Matt E. Reflux. I think that for the those 48 hours after uh, the final uh, atrocity against the Packers, they sat down and they said, Matt, Matt, this is where we want you to improve on. These are your goals for 2024. And you have to do better at time management. You have to do better at, at interviewing uh, coaches. You have to – a whole list of things. I can see that. And I can see that being a good thing. But I still can't get over the fact 
that when he talks, he doesn't inspire confidence in the fans. And I know the players are all behind Matt Eberflus. At least that's what they say outwardly. I've heard some stories that on the sidelines, that's not exactly what's going on, that they're grumbling and, you know, some of the uh, pathetic play calls that uh, Eberflus did. Let's face it, the defense, which is under his auspices, lost us uh, two double-digit fourth-quarter leads. That's yeah. on Flus. And the players weren't pointing at each other. They were kind of pointing at what, that. Why would he have the defensive tackle drop back at the coverage on a third and fifteen, and, and uh, guarding uh, Janoko? The uh, is that his name? Not yeah, Janoko. Ninjoku. Ninjoku. Yes. So you know those, those things are on Eberflus. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I, I wish I knew more about you know, him and what's going on at Hallis Hall to offer a definitive opinion. I would just say a, a very soft, I wish he was gone, but I'm I'm willing to give him one more year as a chance. And I know if Danny Shimon is watching this right now, he's saying, I, I still haven't taught Aldo anything <laughs> because mm-hmm. he hates Iberfus and wants him gone. And then to answer that question about uh, signing free agent Mike Evans, Mike Evans, I've always loved him as a receiver since the time he came out on, to uh, to the uh, into the league, but my problem with signing a veteran wide receiver is you're going to pay him the same thing you're going to pay DJ Moore, and the, the 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 plan is you bring in a free agent wide receiver and and I know we trade for DJ Moore, but you're bringing in that twenty plus million dollar salary, and then now you complement him with a really good draft pick and that would be a Harrison and neighbors a who are Keon Coleman who will probably be available late first round early second yes. round he he's a stud there's a lot of other so you, you want one highly paid guy and then you want his successor you know so if you can't reach an agreement with DJ Moore then that other guy you just drafted he's got he's got two or three years under his belt with the Bears and now he's ready to take over and the same thing at the defensive end position you're not going to spend $30 million on, you know, a veteran defensive pass rusher, a stud. You've got your stud that you acquired in a trade. You're paying him $100 million. Montez Sweat. Now you draft a kid out of uh, UCLA, Latu. Or you draft uh, Chop Robinson out of Penn State, a speed rusher, like Danny Shimon says he would love to see on the Bears to, to play opposite Sweat. So that's the plan. You, you kind of have to disperse that salary those salary cap dollars around and balance it out with those low wages that draft picks bring with them mike evans johnny football's number one receiver at texas a&m that's the number one thing i always think of i really quick joe before you get to whatever your next thing is i have a question for both of you yeah you put up that video of matt eberflus and ryan poles sitting at the yeah they look so happy don't they i was gonna say they at least look cool you know, like I remember when Matt uh, Nagy and Ryan Poles would go up there, I'd be like, "Look at these dorks! Look, look at these losers!" Matt Eberflus, what a stallion-looking man he is! And then same thing with Ryan Poles, just absolute studly muffins. And I'm sitting here like, I want to win. I do want to win with these guys. I want these guys to be, you know, what we thought they might be. You know, it sucks that Eberflus is mostly stunk. And what is he like, eight and twenty something as a head coach? Like they, they, I, they need to turn that around though. These guys, they look cool. 
Yeah. They, uh, well, I think a lot of that coolness for Eberflus in that image there is that cool ass jacket that he's wearing. That Hell is really yeah. Great. How do we get how do we get one of those? The bear logo on the left and then a barroom network logo. Oh yes. Working on it. Working be, on it. I could be cool. I'm not very cool, but I could be cool. <laughs> I don't know. You look cool in that bear jersey cool, right now. Just Justin Fields jersey. <laughs> But hey, to uh, uh, Sonic put up that I would draft Penix or Bo Nix just in case. I I like the idea. You know, let's take a look at the teams that are in the NFC playoffs. You've got the San Francisco 49ers as the number one seed. Their starting quarterback was Mr. L. Relevant, the last person drafted in the draft. Let's go so he's not, a, he's not a first rounder by any means, the last nope. guy. Cowboys, a fourth-round pick in Dak Prescott. The Lions acquired in a trade, and Jared Goff was the first overall draft pick, but he was acquired in a trade. Buccaneers, uh, Baker Mayfield, again, a, a real high draft pick, but he was acquired in a trade. This, this is what, third, fourth team? Jalen Hurts with the Eagles, second-round draft pick. Matt Stafford, also acquired in a trade. Uh, uh, Jordan Love, a first-round draft pick, but he sat for three years, and so – what my point is, is that you can acquire a quarterback in, in day two of the draft, even day three of the draft. And if you've got good coaches and you've selected a guy that is right for the system and that system is being used and coached and taught really well, you could develop a Brock Purdy. You could develop a Dak Prescott. Nobody expected Dak Prescott to play at this high level. Yeah, but MVP caliber. Exactly. But there he was in the fourth round. And I'm wondering, man, this would be a really good chance to do as Ryan Pace would say, we're going to draft a quarterback every year. Well, what about this guy? He, he's pretty good. Uh, but they didn't. And so I'm with you. Um, who was it that put that up? Uh, Sonic. Oh. Draft a quarterback in uh, day two, day three, if you're not going to attack one in the first round of this year's draft. And one other thing, and I know people are going to say, Aldo, you've been drinking already. No, I'm going to start uh, drinking after the show. I was going to be about lunchtime. That's exactly. Um, I have not given up on Tyson Bajan potentially becoming a starting quarterback, and I'll tell you why. He's got all the tools, the quick release, knows how to read uh, uh, defenses, you know, uh, great attitude, teammates like him and so forth. Was he ready for NFL action in his in this his rookie year coming from a no. Division II school? Uh, absolutely not. But this is a huge offseason. This is where you start to see progress. So when Vinny and I uh, and Joe, hopefully you're in town, we go out to uh, uh, Hallis Hall to watch one of the practice scrimmages. Let's take a look at Tyson Bajan and see how he's doing. I'm not saying that he should be the number one quarterback in 2024, but I am saying that he is potentially somebody that can be developed into a, a, an even stronger backup than he was. He did deliver two victories in four games, and that's what you want out of a backup, a 500 record when they're in there. But he could potentially be a starting quarterback if he continues to develop, sort of like Jordan Love. You know, if they were to put him in in his rookie year, gotten rid of Aaron Rodgers four seasons ago, he would not have been anywhere near the quarterback that we saw in game one and 17 of this past season. So the development of Badgent is still on the table. I'm surprised uh, that that wasn't the question that was asked. Not that you would have got any 
good response, but the developing of quarterbacks, you should always keep them coming in the pipeline, work them out. And the ones that you like and say, this guy is somebody that's got something, you keep them. The, the other ones that you drafted and they don't work out, let them go. Joe, do you have anything left for Aldo before we ask him to put him on the spot and make him give us his wild card weekend picks? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. you got me here today. We're no, I just the, the, the only thing I wanted to comment on is that you know Penix Jr. obviously got roughed around by Michigan the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, arguably, you could argue that might help drop his stock a little bit, but he certainly can throw a pretty ball. I think we've all seen that. Uh, injury concerns are going to knock him down. Whether or not he's a late first or second rounder is, is a whole conversation. But uh, I just I see him potentially going into the, the second round and maybe being a guy the Bears could maybe get a stock that falls. I just wanted to make that commentary before we move on, but that's that's the last thing that I have. Well, and just real quick on Penix, you know, I I, uh, I started following the Bears a long, long time ago, and it was a quarterback. The second quarterback that I started following, the first one was Jack and Cannon, and the second one was Bobby Douglas, a left-handed quarterback who was six foot four. He was built like a tight end, and he would eventually play for the White Sox farm organization because he had he he threw the ball so fast. He he threw a hundred mile an hour football so you imagine what he threw a baseball at but yeah. uh so i've always loved left-handed quarterbacks and i i am a left-handed myself the whole idea of Penix potentially being a bear you know a, a second round pick would be i think enormous value and then developing him a la jordan love that would be music to my ears i do think that the guy has some red flags the injuries and some inconsistency in play and so forth but if you give Penix, look at that Man, I just love it coming from the Pretty left ball. side. Left-handed golfers, no. That does not look good. Left-handed quarterbacks, yes. That looks – oh, look at that. Look at that. That's got to be Roma Dunese. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, he did have a bad game against Michigan. That probably will uh, lower his stock value, and, and that could be a good thing for the Chicago Bears if he's there in round two and we've acquired a second-round pick to invest in him. Joe brings up a good point. Fields was all over the bear social media videos for London. Yeah. A little strange. little strange. little strange. All right, Aldo. I'm putting you on the spot. Okay. And Aldo reserves the right to change his picks by Sunday. He will announce them on X if he changes them. Just, just so you know. Okay. Buffalo versus Pittsburgh. I've got the Bills squeaking out a win. Um, let's face it, you know, it always comes out down. I, I, I don't like the way the Bills have played this year, but the, the adage, you know, you got to pick the quarterback in these playoff games, and Josh Allen is an easy pick over um, uh, what's the guy's name? Mason, That's quarterback Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. And, you know, I like. I like Mason, but he's no Josh Allen, and uh, but I do think that the Steelers will keep it close. Joe, and I believe TJ TJ Watts also out for this game. TJ I believe what? Yeah. So that's a huge that's a huge loss for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I think the Bills win it. I think it's a little closer than 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 advertised, but I think mm-hmm. the Bills pull it off. All right, Kansas City versus Miami, the Peacock game. Taylor Swift makes her playoff debut on Peacock. 
I'm sorry. What game was that again? I'm just I'm just thinking about Foster co uh, cover says that I was on the Canton Bulldogs in 1920. Yeah. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah, Foster. Hell which yeah. is which is the game on Peacock that Mike North is going crazy over because he doesn't know what the hell Peacock is. Yeah, well, it's time for Mike North to get with the times. You got to stream football games every now and again, Mike. Come on, come on. Kansas City versus Miami. Another thing I'm sure Mike oh. is nice and happy about. It's Taylor Swift's playoff debut. <laughs> That's a tough one, man. It is a tough one. That's a tough one. Now imagine me telling you how tough that that pick is going to be in August. You would have mm -hmm. told me I'm on crack. Yeah. See, I, I'm I, I'm going to I'm going to lean towards the Chiefs because of the injury problems the Dolphins are having. And, you know, uh, they lost one of their top pass rushers. I think a, a second guy, Bradley Chubb, I think is also out too, right? Uh, so the defense, you know, despite the fact that coached by Vic Fangio, the defense is not going to get torched because this Chiefs offense is not the offense that we're accustomed to seeing over the last three, four years. But I, I got the Chiefs winning in another tight game. This could be a really fun weekend of football. Oh, hell yeah. I can't wait, Joe. I think it's going to be. I'm going the other side of the fence. I think Miami wins in a blowout in the Tyreek Hill revenge game. Wow. Tyreek Hill over 200 yards receiving and two touchdowns is my bold prediction against the Chiefs. Uh, it's kind of super bold. It's beyond bold. It's insane. But I think Miami smokes them. The Chiefs offense is not the same. Um, I don't think Miami goes far in the playoffs, but I think they knock out the Chiefs and do us all a favor because we're all sick of seeing the Chiefs in the playoffs. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, you know, if, if the Chiefs were to be knocked out, there should be a, a something in a television contract saying that if you're, the quarterback is knocked out of the playoffs, you cannot air any of his commercials. Because I am sick <laughs> right. and tired of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes on every other commercial. Uh, Ma that, that Subway commercial with Mahomes, I'm Ma over that. <laughs> yeah. Please call him Ma'ato. He yeah. referred to him as Ma'ato. I mean, it was funny. The first the first commercial I saw after turning away from Red Zone on um, Sunday was it was involving Trevor Lawrence, who had just been eliminated by. Yeah, uh, isn't that something? Yeah, it was very <laughs> fun. Yeah, get these guys with the commercials out of here if they're not in anymore. I don't want to see them. Uh, Chicago does not run on dunk or on fields. Okay, <laughs> Duncan does not run on fields in the playoffs. Uh, Houston versus Cleveland, very intriguing matchup. The only mm. game Frankie Mueller and I disagreed with yesterday. Oh, okay. we agreed on every pick except this one. Well, uh, Joe, you want to go first this one? Yeah, uh, Vin Vinny knows this from from our from my love for this team on this show and with the way I drafted my fantasy team at the top of the year. Um, but I, I love the Cleveland Browns. I love Joe Flacco. They're my Super Bowl pick at. 35 to 1. I'll make that bet for $10 every day. I'm about uh, to start barking. That, that defense <laughs> is elite. Joe Flacco looks like he's settled in the path. You know, the only thing stopping them, I think, is the Ravens. So sign me up for all shares of the Browns. Take it to take it to Brown Town. That's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever said on air. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm gonna go the opposite way from you, wow. you guys. Yeah, I, I I like the Texans. I, I I love that coaching staff. Really love uh, D'Amico and his staff. Stroud. Yeah, and C.J. Stroud is a special special quarterback. And you know, and uh, Ryan Poles was asked about you know where'd you guys miss on C.J. Stroud. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that no one predicted C.J. Stroud
I was going to have this kind of a rookie year. Nobody, nobody. They knew, a lot of people knew he was going to be a, a good quarterback, but not the type of numbers that he put up this year. Uh, and I liked that what Houston has done. It's too bad they didn't give Lovey one more year. You know, we probably could have got another, another you know, <laughs> a big victory in our favor because he's always working for the Bears somehow, some way. But uh, I do like the Texans uh, winning that game. Love it. Uh, I would like, care either way. I, I like both teams. So. I think I would pick Houston in an upset if they were playing anyone but my Cleveland Browns, the team I've been riding with, basically just to annoy Pittsburgh Steelers fan Frankie all season. But like I, my nice. love, my love for the state of Ohio, I'd be rooting for the Bengals. And and now that Tom Brady is no longer in the NFL. I have to decide who I'm rooting for once the Bears are done because that was always like my go-to. Like, all right, the Bears season's over. It's Tom season now. That doesn't exist for me anymore. So I kind of had to like look in the mirror a little bit. It's been Cleveland a little bit this season. So I don't know. It should be a fun game, though. I'm very much looking forward to that one. Another good one, yes. Absolutely. I think every one of these games except one, I think Buffalo is going to – I kind of think Buffalo is going to take care of their business against Pittsburgh. I could see every other game being relatively close, though. Now, the only other one that could kind of get ugly is the one of the first games of the NFC slate, Dallas versus Green Bay. We know who everybody on this network wants to win, but who do you think is going to win? Joe, you could go first again. It's not particularly close for me. I think Green Bay gets absolutely blown out of the water. I thought you were going to say something else. Holy (laughs) (laughs) Their offense... Their offense can't stick with Dallas. Dallas is arguably the best offense in football. They have one of the best defenses in football. They don't know how to use Aaron Jones. They don't know how to use their receivers. Jordan Love is going to look like the Jordan Love that, you know, that likes to throw errant passes. And I I imagine you're going to see Jordan Love get picked off at least twice in this game, trying to force the ball into places it shouldn't go. Blowout. Dallas wins big. Aldo. Yeah, I got to agree with that. Uh, almost word for word with what Joe said there. You know, the, 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 these young Packer wide receivers are going to get uh, their egos busted by this Cowboys defense. And I agree with Joe. A couple of interceptions, at least two interceptions for Jordan Love is in the cards. Um, I think that's, that's probably the biggest blowout of uh, this weekend's playoff games. A sobering question to follow up for both of you. you could give me a yes or a no or an explanation on why. Will the Dallas Green Bay game feature the two best quarterbacks in the NFC from this mm. season? Oh, my gosh. From the no. NFC this season. Um, who do you have above that, Joe? There are two options. I There are two options. Who do mm-hmm. Above Jordan Love and Dak Prescott? The options would be Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy. But I, I think I would rather have Prescott and Love. It's, 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 it's Purdy and Prescott for me. Okay. Yeah, I would say the same thing uh, as Joe. Um, Jordan Love, to me, still has some more to prove. You know, there, you look at the clips, his, some of his touchdown passes, and they were remarkable. He's throwing off the back foot, and he's, you know, throwing, lobbing the ball into the end zone. I just got to believe that this offseason, defensive coordinators are going to look at what Jordan Love does, and, and they're going to have answers for that. You watch, it could be a big-time dip in Jordan Love's play, at least in the first half of next season. 
mark this down at 57 and 58 of uh crosstown crosstalk episode 1,357,000 <laughs> feels like it <laughs> um jordan love is going to come back down to earth and and we might start to see that uh, uh this weekend against the cowboys understood very interesting answers i worry that i worry I'll just leave it at that. The Monday night game, because I'm saving one particular game for last due to our, you know, there's one really nice troll that likes to come on the Barroom Network and talk about his favorite team. We'll save them for last. But um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the team that everybody, when we did our draft back in whatever month that was, August, September, it was August probably, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're going to be the worst team in the NFL. Nope, they're the NFC South champions. And the division, it was bad, but it wasn't as bad as people thought it was going to be. They actually, their second place team had a chance to make it on the last day of the play of the regular season. So it wasn't a complete dumpster fire like it was the year prior. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Philadelphia Eagles who started the season on an absolute tear and then fell off a cliff. Aldo, you first. Yeah, you know, it's it, it, the Eagles have had an interesting season because e- even when they started off in the tear, there were still people complaining. You know, they're winning by 38 to 27. There were still people complaining, you know, about even the offense and they're scoring 30-plus points. So there just hasn't, by people who are closer to the situation than I am, there just hasn't been that thing going on with the Eagles. And even now Jalen Hurts, one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league, is is being criticized as he the right guy and, and, and blah, blah, blah. I think the Eagles are going to respond to those critics, and I think they're going to win, and, uh, and they might make a long playoff run. I, I like the Eagles this weekend. Wow. I like it, Aldo. I – with that said, I'm, I'm taking the Buccaneers. I, uh, <laughs> the Buccaneers have been the better team as of late. Uh, I The Philadelphia Eagles just look completely flabbergasted and lost, mm-hmm. but they don't want to be there. I wouldn't put it past them to magically wake up here in the playoffs, but I don't know. I just They, they put such a bad taste in my mouth. They, they lost to the Giants. I mean, what? They, they don't look like they want to win, and yeah. – um, I have no confidence in them, so for that reason, I'm going to go with the team that I think is better. I'm going to say it, better defense and slightly better offense as of right now. There are a lot of names that remain from the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers. Um, but I picked Philly on bar down, but I still think Tampa Bay has the remains of a team that at least deserves some respect in Baker Mayfield. He did prove some people wrong this year, although they did try – they tried so hard to make the playoffs in the final month of the season, but it seemed like in the last two weeks of the season, they tried to do everything they could to miss. And so mm-hmm. that that did put a bad taste in my mouth on that front. Both teams are kind of entering with mixed expectations, but I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a good one, though, for sure. And then the last game we're going to talk about, our buddy Don Burr, he comes in. Huh. He comes in our chat on Bar Down Talking Hockey and starts talking about how good the Red Wings are when they're in the middle of a five-game losing streak. Literally, <laughs> that happened. I swear to God that, that <laughs> the Red Wings have been significantly better this year than they've been in the last five years since their 25-year playoff streak ended. But they were in the middle of a five-game losing streak. And here comes Don Burr. How about them Red Wings? <laughs> 
now the Detroit Lions are going to take on Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. I feel like I've seen this movie 150 million times where a guy who kind of got pushed away from a team, he went and magically won the Super Bowl with the Rams the year before. Because of the Rams and the Bucks, everyone picked the Denver Broncos to win the Super Bowl last year because, oh, a former elite quarterback or current elite quarterback joins elite team. They win Super Bowl uh-huh. magically. That yeah. did not happen with Denver, unfortunately. Maybe it's the colors blue and orange that are just cursed. But Probably. here we are, the Los Angeles Rams versus the Detroit Lions. Aldo, kick it off. You know, there was a time in my life where I would have rooted for the NFC North, where at the time back then it was the NFC Central teams, you know, just to feel better about myself that the Bears aren't in the playoffs because similar like that, a college theory. Like yeah, yeah. right. So uh but this year I, I, I think that the Lions and Packers are both gonna lose early in the playoffs. So the Lions clearly gonna lose against the Rams. And I'm happy about that. I've changed over the years. I've become more of a curmudgeon. And I don't want anybody from my division doing better than my Chicago Bears. I'm being scolded at by Vinny. (laughs) No, no, I agree. Oh, okay. No, no, no. We will not be rooting for the Detroit Lions. (laughs) That's hilarious. Although the Lions are my favorite division rival, but I digress. Okay. So, you know, I, I, I love the storyline in this game. It's it's probably the marquee matchup just because it's Stafford sure. versus Goff. And, you know, you got the, the, the two head coaches who are bigger That's than Sunday night, right? Prime time That's, on Sunday night. They yeah. got the big slate. So, I yeah, they agree with you, Aldo. They, they, they did a good job in scheduling that one for I Sunday agree. night. Yep. So yep. regardless of the out, you know what? I, I, I'm not gambling anymore. You know, I, 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 I did it for a year. I put the $200 in, I got up to as much as a thousand and then went broke. And and so I said, okay, I, I tried it once. I'm not going to do it. Easy and to I, do. <laughs> yeah. In a game like that, I would be betting big time on the Rams, but I also know it would be, not because I did the research, but with my heart, I'm betting that the Rams are going to win big time. Joe? I'm I'm going to go the opposite side of the fence. I think Detroit's the better team. They're a more well-rounded team. I, I Again, I, I, I live in Michigan now, okay? Oh, oh. <laughs> betting with oh. his heart. He's got he's got the national championship. His Lions are about to go on a run. Love that's Michigan. right. I'm I'm a Bears fan, but I live in Michigan territory. But no, that's beside the point. I still think the Lions are going to win this game. the The offense, I think, is both offenses can certainly be explosive at times. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to come down to a field goal. It's going to be a really close game. It just seems to me like one of those games that the Lions win because Dan Campbell goes for it on like a crazy. You know, fourth and six. It blew up in his face last week. Shouldn't have had to, um, but it did. Shouldn't have had to, but it did. Uh, I think the opposite happens this time around. It's going to be close. They're going to go for it, and then they're going to kick a field goal as time expires. And then they all kumbaya, give a big hug, and move on to the next round. The Lions' defense certainly needs to to improve if they want to move further in these playoffs. Well, you know, I was just going to say real quick that that it has been a storyline with the Lions, right? These fourth quarter uh, losses or stumbles, mm-hmm. you know, where they get out to a big lead and then they allow the team to get back in. They either hold on to win like they did the first time they faced the Bears this season or, you know, they they don't hold on to win. Uh, like in a, a number of other games this this season. So I could see that as a storyline on Sunday night that the Rams fall behind and then the Lions defense lets them back in. It could be a really dramatic game. 
I yeah. would I will say I would love if Foster's thing in the chat came true if the Lions played the Browns. And I would hope that both of them can come to some kind of agreement that they could wear like their old school jerseys, like oh. where, where their logos are just colors. Like I think yeah. that is the coolest thing the NFL does is when mm-hmm. teams when the Bears play the Packers and the Packers logo is literally just like yellow or green and the Bears logo is just orange or blue. I love that old school football. Um then then the NFL would start to get with uh, hockey and baseball in terms of pretty jerseys. I think they would really up themselves if that became the case. But, man, that would be cool. Now, I will say, if I live in a world on Sunday night where it's about 945, I got a crispy can of Coke. I'm listening. I'm watching games. I got a bag of chips. Crispy. Uh, Coca-Cola is crispy. That's what? when it's at its best. I'll explain. Okay. I'll, I'll explain. Um, right. And the Lions are down – or the Lions are up by – Six and Stafford's got the ball with a minute and 50 seconds left. And he marches the Los Angeles Rams down the field and he beats the Detroit Lions. And Don Burr goes, No, I yeah. need that. I need that. But I do think it would be fun if, if Detroit did go on around. I do like MCDC, he does remind me of an NFL version, a younger of Coach O. Where he's just kind of like roll tide, who fuck you? Like, I, 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 I love it. I love what they're doing, but it, you know it's going to be a super fun weekend. I literally cannot wait, guys. Yeah, you know, uh, do you recall? I think it was in Stafford's rookie season. Uh, they had him mic'd up for a game, and he got injured late in the game. And they were the Lions were trailing, and you hear him as he's you know in pain and so oh, he, he had the dislocated shoulder, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And so he takes the the team down for a winning drive uh, in, in the last minutes of the game. I man, that would be great if Vinny's scenario played out there and they have him wired up and what he did for Detroit winning that game to do it against Detroit now in the playoffs. That would be poetic. Man. That would be poetic. <laughs> that would be awesome, guys. I can't thank both of you enough for coming on and providing this football insight. This has been one of my favorite shows. I haven't sat down the entire time. I've been moving this whole time. This has been unbelievable. I have loved each and every second of it. Joe found video because he's a savant. <laughs> That's the game. He's mic'd up. And, and uh, you know, he's looking how he's favoring that shoulder, to, leaning towards the left a little bit. Yeah. Aldo, you could probably answer this better than Joe and I. Before we get out of here, I'll finally leave you guys alone. But that video looks like it could be in the 80s, 90s, mid-2000s. Like, And now, I think video programming has changed in the last seven years more than the previous 50 years combined. That, like, like, that looks like it could be in the 90s, this video, mm-hmm. just the way yeah. it is. No, and you're it absolutely right. Like it changed so much in the last five years even. Yeah, the look at him. Uh, he can't at, even move his arm. Yeah, that's right. He's saying, "I can't move it. I can't move it." <laughs> but, that, but that's when he threw the touchdown. I think to win. Um, you're absolutely right, uh, Vinny. Uh, high definition cameras have improved so much, and uh, it's a new era. It's weird, you know, because uh, in the prime of my life, I watched every one of the Chicago Bears games. I mean, Chicago Bulls games during that championship run. And now when they're playing again on cable, on the NBA channel and so forth, they're unwatchable because they're grainy. It looks awful and so forth. It's just so sad that aside from the camera crew that covered the Bears and Bulls in that final season for the last dance, 
Aside from that, there's no high-definition images of Michael Jordan doing the fabulous things that he did. But you're right, uh, the NFL uh, and, and technology, state-of-the-art technology, and the NFL was, was built for cinema. You yes. know, it's the it's, 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 uh, sport and what the NFL films did with the slow motion and stuff, and now you're putting it with these beautiful images that high-def cameras deliver. It's, it's outstanding. I love it. Absolutely. You know your team's a joke if the last most recent footage of them winning a championship looks like it was recorded using a grapefruit. Joe, Aldo, it has been absolutely ecstatic having you on this show. I love you both very much. Yes, yeah, Southport Pittman, it's closer than you think. Spring training yeah. starts in a month. We will be we will be all in ready to watch the super excitement of the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. That is absolutely going to just be a great season for both of them. Um, yes. Not um aldo make everybody make sure you're watching aldo stuff dan and aldo the stuff with greg gabriel the mike north press conference Presser. every week joe uh, just everything he's got going on i think is fantasy football goon like are you going to do anything for the playoffs we, to help people we are, we are we are done with fantasy done? Football okay. goon. we'll be back in uh, august with draft prep we'll be back or yes absolutely that'll be so fun and then of course south bribs hitman will return you'll get plenty of joe mandel soon enough and on this show every thursday it's been an absolute right. blast make sure you tune in next wednesday where frank and i will break down why the cleveland browns absolutely throttled the houston <laughs> texans and he was there wrong about the cleveland browns yet again um, and we'll talk a lot about hockey and, you know, why the Blackhawks should trade everybody that's not on a longer than a one-year deal. And everybody in the chat, Joe, Michael, Foster, Tooch, everybody that I didn't mention, we love you very much. Thank you so much for tuning in. For Aldo Gandia at Barroom Network on X, at Joe Mandel on X, I'm at Vinny Parisi on X. And as always, thank you for listening. Another happy landing. <laughs> Thank you.